and welcome to this week's Innovation Forum Monday Briefing, a regular guide to what's happening in the world of sustainable business. I'm Ian Welsh. Innovation Forum is taking its Business and Climate Action Conference to the US in the autumn. We'll be in Washington DC on the 8th and 9th of November. To hear about what's coming up over the next two days, I spoke with Innovation Forum's Emily Heslop. First though, joining me to talk about some things to think about this week is Innovation Forum's B. Stevenson. Welcome to the Monday Briefing, B. Hi, Ian. It's August, not a lot happening. Did you find anything happening this week? Not as such, but we are now one year on as of August 16th from the implementation of the Inflation Reduction Act in the US. This kind of landmark piece of legislation, the aim was and is to direct new federal spending towards reducing carbon emissions and hitting other climate targets, whilst also reducing inflation by spurring new domestic manufacturing projects and lowering costs for Americans. What does the act mean for the climate in particular then? The act directs nearly $400 billion in federal funding to clean energy. The funds are being delivered through a mix of tax incentives, grants and loan guarantees. So of this, 250 billion around is going into upgrading, repurposing and replacing energy infrastructure. 46 is going into the environment. 223 billion are going into transportation and EVs, electric vehicles. And um, nearly 1 billion is going into agriculture. Of course, that's been boosted by further initiatives by the USDA. And then nearly 5 billion is going into water with the rest into manufacturing. The majority of the $394 billion in energy and climate funding is in the form of tax credits, with corporations and businesses obviously being the biggest recipients, with an estimated $21 billion in tax credits. These are designed to catalyze private investment into clean energy, transport and manufacturing. $43 billion in tax credits aim to lower emissions by making electric vehicles, energy efficient appliances, rooftop solar panels, geothermal heating and home batteries more affordable for consumers. So, for instance, qualifying new electric vehicles are eligible for a tax credit of up to $7,500. What have been the biggest results over the past year? Obviously, it's going to be a very long-term impact, as we can already see from the last year. With the work to implement the wide-sweeping law already on the way now, the White House has sought to emphasise its early economic returns. This includes over $110 billion in new investments to expand clean energy technology and manufacturing, according to data released separately by the administration recently. And in one year, the Inflation Reduction Act has created an estimated 170,600 jobs. And we were talking last week about green jobs and you know how they breed more green jobs. So we can kind of see this taking hold already. On top of this, 272 clean energy projects have been announced. And then I read a really good Schroeder's article on where there's been impact that I recommend looking at, but I can summarise this. We can put a link in the description. What other positive impacts have there been? For electric vehicles, sales were up 54% in Q1 of 2023 compared to the same period in 2022, and they now make up one in every 12 cars sold in the US. Tesla, Hyundai, Kia, Ford, BMW, just some of the high-profile automakers investing several billion dollars into their US EV manufacturing capacity now in order to remain eligible for the consumer credits because the qualifying criteria is set to become increasingly stringent over the next decade. So they're trying to keep competitive. Linked to this, since the law was passed, the US battery production capacity pipeline has experienced growth rates higher than Europe and even China, 
very surprisingly. The incentives have been so strong that corporates have been reallocating capital spend from Europe to the US. Both Volkswagen and Northvolt have put their European plans on hold this year to pursue US alternatives, which is obviously something that the European bloc is going to have to think very hard about. And then in terms of solar, companies with US manufacturing facilities have seen a huge uptick in demand, given the domestic content requirements in the Inflation Reduction Act. Most notable is First Solar, which is one of the solar module manufacturers in the US. Tax credits have meant that First Solar is now fully sold out to 2026 and even signing contracts until 2030. So significant progress there. That's reflected in other parts of the world as well, isn't it? That everyone is going into solar big time. Are there any areas there where the progress is perhaps lacking? Yeah, there are areas like that. In terms of solar as well, it has gone very well in some ways. But then because of the domestic content requirements for solar, it's made it quite difficult for some renewable project developers because companies are having to provide them with information on where they got the materials from, other very sensitive information. It can prove difficult getting projects going. So that's been a barrier. Another key area that generous subsidies were introduced in the Inflation Reduction Act was for hydrogen, particularly for green hydrogen, which could result in a production cost of less than $1 per kilogram by the middle of the decade. But despite these subsidies, progress on larger scale projects has been slow due to high energy prices, inflated labour costs and production issues, as well as the general scale and complexity of novel hydrogen production projects. So that's slower to get going. And then a big area and a landmark area is carbon capture and storage, for which tax credits were included. But the feasibility of this as an option hasn't really been fully demonstrated yet. I know that the EPA is looking to introduce further measures on this. They're going to have to do some work to demonstrate how feasible carbon capture and storage really is in terms of a climate strategy. You're right. I think the debate around whether carbon capture and storage is in fact the way to go or it isn't just an excuse to carry on emitting debate has yet to be cleared out more likely it's going to be better to simply to focus on reducing emissions all right b we'll be back next week thanks ian in the autumn innovation forum will be back in washington dc for the climate and business action conference the first time we've taken it to the us last week i spoke with my colleague emily heslop about what to expect in november Welcome to the Monday Briefing, M. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me back. So we've got a climate and business conference coming up in November. What are the themes for this year? We're looking entirely on the practical action that business can take to tackle their scope three emissions. And within that, we've got three key themes that are coming out of our agenda research. So initially, policy influence and business strategy. So we're going to be discussing how the CSRD, SEC climate-related disclosure, and SBT guidance is affecting the business strategies and looking at what that proactive business response to incoming and evolving legislation really looks like. The second key theme is looking at climate action planning across different timeframes. So really looking at analysing credible climate action plans in short, medium and longer terms with discussion on targets, performance and niche-based solutions. And then thirdly, looking at operationally implementing scope three reductions. So discussing practical approaches to achieving emissions reductions and supply chain transformation through collaborations with suppliers, carbon accounting framework and carbon footprinting monitoring and a number of other key themes you'll see on the agenda as well this year. It's definitely a packed agenda, but these are obviously key issues for business. So looking forward to talk about them. Who's the event for then? And who do you think really should be thinking about coming to this? 
The event itself will attract quite a diverse audience of more than 150 senior executives from a range of different industries. So that's the key here that we're going to have those cross industry insights and we'll have a range of different stakeholder groups as well represented. So we'll have corporate leaders, NGOs, suppliers, investors, government entities. Ultimately, the event itself is suitable for anyone who wants to learn more about how to tackle their scope three greenhouse gas emissions and to decarbonize supply chains. Who have we got coming as panellists already? We've already confirmed some wonderful speakers representing different organisations. So to name a few of the organisations, we've got Pirelli Tyre, Mars, Nestle, UNDP, World Resources Institute, CDP and many more. And in the past few weeks, we've recently confirmed Ashley Allen, the Chief Sustainability Officer at Oatley, Scott Childress, the President of Sustainability at UPS, and Clarence Edwards, the Executive Director of E3G, the think tank, just to name a few of the speakers, but you can see more on the conference website. Yeah, there's some really interesting people coming to talk about these challenging issues. Um, How can our listeners get involved? So listeners can secure their tickets with a $300 discount if they purchase them online on the conference website before Friday the 18th of August. As we will be running three rounds of breakout tracks on that first day, we would also recommend booking in teams. So if you're interested in a group booking, do email me at emily.heslop at innovationforum.co.uk and I can share more details on those group booking discounts you can utilise. And then finally, we've got a handful of speaking slots and sponsor spaces remaining. So do get in touch if you'd like to get involved. But please bear in mind, these are starting to dwindle as interest for the event is extremely high. So get in quick to try and secure your spot. True, there's going to be a lot of people there. But the key date to remember is if you want to come and secure your attendance, then there's a $300 discount for delegate passes that expires on Friday the 18th of August. Um, I'm looking forward to this event very much. Me too. See you in DC. All the details about the conference and how to register are on the Innovation Forum website. As Emily said, there are still some sponsorship and speaker opportunities at the event. Just get in touch via the contact details online. The Monday briefing will be back next week and look out for the weekly podcast on Thursday. Until then, goodbye.